0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks with Johnny. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. This week's episode, I bring to you with a little bit of a heavy heart, unfortunately. Um, my wife's Lacey's grandfather, Elmer Combs, passed away yesterday morning. Uh, we just learned about it Elmer was a great dude he was always at my house for all the holidays we talked we talked a lot about basketball he was a coach um, here in Huntington Beach at the Huntington Beach High School for many many years they even named the gym after him he was an incredible incredible human being unfortunately towards the end he was ready to go so he was suffering and now he's no longer suffering so that's a good thing but uh, you know obviously it's uh, hitting us a little hard here at uh, with with our family so uh, rest in peace elmer combs uh thanks for always hanging out with me on the holidays and watching sports and messing around and having fun great dude uh another thing this week uh i gotta mention is uh we're we're bringing you uh bad religions legendary bass player jay bentley um wow it's (laughs) kind of difficult to uh follow that up right uh not to be a downer, but uh, as I said, we will celebrate Elmer Combs' life, um, the incredible part that it was. Um, but yeah, we're, we'll we'll move on, and uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a little difficult, but I'm glad he's in a better place now. And uh, yeah, this week, as I said, legendary bass player of Bad Religion, Jay Bentley, joined the joined the uh, show. Had a great chat with him. Seriously, one of my serious icon idols as a bass player i grew up loving this guy um and not even knowing him you know 11 years old i discovered bad religion from my brother um against the grain was the album and from there got into suffer and all sorts of stuff they have a new book out right now uh called do what you want i'm about halfway through it uh listening on audible right now because you know i'm a podcaster audible kind of the same shit right so um yeah just been listening and uh and Man, it was so incredible to have this chat with, uh, with one of my all-time heroes. So um, I'm just going to shut up now and let you guys listen to our, to our chat. So uh, without further ado, Jay Bentley. Hello, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is Drinks with Johnny. Thank you so much for checking out the show. And thanks to Sweet Drop CBD Oil for sending me out some shit. I'm going to start off the show as I have been for the last several weeks here with some Sweet Drop CBD. Now, if you go over to SweetDrop.com, they got everything spelled out for you right there okay i'm not gonna go into what it what it does for me but you could go find out what it can do for you at sweetdrop.com i'll start mine off right here under the tongue and then you know as i said if you head over to sweetdrop.com use promo code drinks with johnny drinks with j-o-h double n-y <laughs> easy enough for me to say and uh you're going to receive 20 percent off that uh your first order right there so make sure you head over to sweetdrop.com for that also don't forget this is also a podcast. I know you're watching right now on YouTube, but if you head over to anywhere you listen to podcasts, you have shit to do throughout the day, you have a commute of any kind, whatever it may be, you can take this with you on the road. Just put your phone on, make sure you subscribe there as well. And you know, some of these conversations end up longer than others. So I know you're not gonna have, you know, an hour and a half to sit and, you know, just chill and watch your phone or computer. So for me, I like I like listening to podcasts. I get the same content while I'm out and about. Now, this week, I'm super excited. I'm joined by a legendary bass player, someone who shaped the way that I played at a very early age. I, he probably doesn't even fully grasp what this means for me. Uh, I'm going to try and do my best to let him know. I got Jay Bentley from the band Bad Religion here. How you doing today, man?
1: I'm, uh, I'm doing the same I was yesterday. How are you doing?
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs> doing good, man. Just, you know, uh, you know tra- just hanging out under the pandemic, you know, just... Uh, right. Figuring out a new way to do my show here. <laughs>
1: it's just—it's almost like you have to say, "What are you not doing?"
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, we've been—I've been keeping busy, but you know, uh, how about you? Every you got to ask the question right at the top. How's everyone doing in your camp? Uh, in everyone's your family, good. everyone's healthy yep. and safe.
1: Everyone's good. Um, went up and saw my dad up in NorCal. Spent uh, three weeks up with him, and he's good. Uh, sister's good. Wife, kids, good. Great. Father-in-law's great. I mean, you know what. We're doing the
0: best we can. I love that. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. You know, I, as I said, I want to make sure that I ask that at the top of every show, too, before we get into, into a bunch of other shit that I'm so excited to bring up. Uh, we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about 40 years of bad religion. But before we get there, I feel like I kind of have to address the elephant in the room that we stole Brooks Wackerman from you guys.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's
0: it's one like way that to put me. it, I guess. I-
1: I don't – stealing is sort of – how do I say this? It, it's funny because I've always thought that that bad religion was sort of a platform to bigger and better things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I, I, I do know that like uh... – uh, we met brooks and you know it it happened and now he's now he's with us and i'm hoping that it's water under the bridge it obviously seems to be because you agreed to be here on my show so
1: <laughs> i it was there was there was never water over the bridge yeah, like good, when, good, honestly you know we i'm i'm the kind of person where i'm always happy for for an individual success especially if it's someone that i know mm-hmm. and uh and and i know brooks well enough to know that that uh he was horribly uh, yeah, how we, do you we, say this?
0: How do you say this? <laughs> how do
1: I say this? Uh, he was overqualified for the job in Bad Religion.
0: I don't know. So- I mean, I mean, that's selling you guys short a little bit. I mean, we'll get into all that. Uh, you, you guys, as I said here in the intro, like you specifically, you in the band have shaped uh, you know, music for me over the years. I, I, I first heard um, 21st Century Digital Boy, the, the re release of it on Against the Grain. And that was my first introduction. And then, and then I you know, went back and listened to the whole record. I think it was my brother's record that I was listening to, and it was on a CD. And Blenderhead, you, know, you had that little bass line that comes in in Blenderhead. And to me, like, maybe it wasn't as flashy as something that I'd been hearing in Rancid or, or something like that, but it was, it was such intent and had such a great sound that like, I, just, I just thank you for all the music you've done over the years that have really shaped what I do.
1: Thanks, Charlie I appreciate that. I, I never think much about what I do, and everyone in the band knows that I'm I'm completely self-conscious. I like, go, well, I don't do anything good. I'm terrible. i I just
0: learned this about you okay so so congratulations on 40 years of bad religion and the book uh do what you want uh is out now um i've i haven't finished it yet it's a lot to get through but i have i have started it um and
1: 40 years
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and i mean so far i'm i'm enjoying it very deeply it's taking me back to to things i didn't know about bad religion um and specifically you're playing like you you had a guitar before and thought you were going to be a guitar player of bad religion and then end up getting a bass from sears um and then you you guys do your first bits of recording in in a garage and stuff and then you went to your first real place uh was it nine something nine studio nine studio nine that's right and uh and then you play for the first time and hear yourself back and you're like this sounds like shit. Like you didn't like the way you played at all. How do you? Can you walk me through that a little bit?
1: Um. Well, I, I think when you're in a garage and it's just you know it's just volume, you're just volume. When you're when you're young and you don't know anything about EQ, everything is just volume. Is the, is your goal? Mm-hmm. So we were in Greg's garage playing loud and recording into a, a radio. So I mean, nothing was going to ever sound like you could ever hear nuances. Yeah. So you think that you're doing okay, but then when you go into a multi-track studio where they're actually isolating the bass tracks and they're playing it back, and a, you're not even close to being in time. B, you're not even close to playing the right note. <laughs> like, <laughs> am I even in tune? So, um, I think that that was all that really did for me. It was. It was. Um, it wasn't disheartening. It made me realize I just needed to work harder, mm-hmm. um, and I and I spent a lot more time. I, I've, I've never really had a, a lesson. I, I don't know what the. I still don't know what I'm doing. Um,
0: <laughs> That's hard to believe. <laughs> it, it, it,
1: it, it just made me. It made me want to pay more attention and to settle down and not just be loud. It didn't, you know. All of a sudden, things like uh, accuracy mattered. Yeah. And, and um, you know, in, in, the, in the sense of talking about someone like me, just me personally in, in Bad Religion, uh, one of the things that Brett, as a songwriter, always told me was uh, how much he could lean on Greg's vocals as a percussive instrument. It wasn't just singing, he could actually be like three instruments he could be melody and lyrics and he could be a percussive instrument which as a bass player it's just another drum yeah and so now i realized that i can't just be this uh free-floating bass player playing notes all over the place because i need to be paying attention to what greg is doing vocally and make sure that i'm not stepping on his toes and 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 where do i fit in in all of this that was stuff that i that i that I took out of that was like I I really needed to sort of invent me.
0: Yeah. No, and I think um obviously it's funny to hear that story now because you're such an iconic bass player for the punk rock world and, and, and everything that you've done and it sounds like that's that's one of the things that I took away from and I'm glad that you said that because one of the things I took away from your bass lines in Bad Religion was how complimentary they were to the entire sound. It wasn't, you know, I'm going to go off and I'm just going to play as fast and crazy and hard as I want. You 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 orchestrated note note choices over the years, I, 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 I would say. And it comes off, it comes across amazing. I've watched you play live a million times you know, it's hard to believe you say you you still don't know what you're doing because it, it, it seems like you're doing a great job, man.
1: <laughs> I'm really good at making it up.
0: <laughs> Aren't we all? You know, it's yes, funny though. We have a lo- so. When I'm listening to the stories of 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 how you started out too, though, it's I'm I'm hearing a lot of similarities that I didn't realize. In bass, like, and in being in a band, you were 15 and you dropped out of high school to join Bad Religion. It was a few years later for me, but I was 17 when I joined, when I dropped out to join Avenged Sevenfold. Um, uh, just, you know, uh, one of the really common things or that we have in common that I thought was very funny. I too painted one of my bases. Uh, when I was like in a garage band and thought it, it was a sunburst and I didn't like the way it looked, So I, I painted it black with spray paint and it was all falling apart. I took a chainsaw to it and I thought like, yeah. I thought it would look a lot cooler that way, but then it completely changed the sound of the, of the bass. Sounded,
1: but let see, once again, that's the inexperience of not knowing that it, it sounded bad. I didn't know it sounded bad. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have any reference to know what bad sounded like. All I, you know, people to this day, I say, look, Bass players, we rarely ever break strings, and when we do, it's kind of an accomplishment. We're like, "Yeah, I broke that string." Um, so uh, on that bass in particular, I painted the strings and everything because I thought, "Wow, this looks really great." And because the strings didn't break, I just played them like that forever.
0: That's amazing. Which is terrible,
1: terrible to know that now. They're like, "Oh, I probably should have." You know, I mean, I, re- I recorded with that bass like that.
0: No shit. That's rad. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that's, that's the bass that's on the seven inch EP. It's like, uh, that wasn't very good.
0: That's funny.
1: <clears throat> and half of, and half of how it could help be any worse.
0: Wow. I didn't realize. Oh, so yeah. The Yeah. When you guys, you guys had a little drummer switch, uh, during that time too, right?
1: Yeah, had a drummer switch and then we had to go play shows to make some more money. And, and at one of those shows that that little bass got stolen Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, and I replaced it with a Rickenbacker and Brett was playing, uh, I think he started that album with an Ibanez artist and then ended that album with a Les Paul firebrand. Okay. (laughs) We all all changed gear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, right in the and middle then, of a record, too. <laughs> so you could clearly hear the difference on, on totally.
1: the. Totally.
0: <laughs> and you just leave it. I love that. I love that punk yeah. rock mentality, too, man. Yeah. It's just its it, so it, cool. It's like the. We still don't
1: know any better. We're like, ah, oh, whatever. It's, it works.
0: <laughs> That's so rad, man. Um so like just going through the book again and listening to your process. I just when you when you did start to hone in your own sound, what what were some of those influences, I guess for lack of a better word, or like what did you really want to accomplish? You already kind of said you were you wanted to you know, work off of Greg with, with his vocals and stuff like that. But like, where, where were you getting inspiration for? Or were you just like, I'm doing this all on my own. You're not really listening to anyone
1: else. I think that, that I don't know about inspiration because in all honesty, you know, you, you get as much inspiration about visuals. Like Mm -hmm, I love how Simonon dressed. I'm like, okay, he's my bass player. It's like, is he really? It's like, yeah, he looks so cool. (laughs) And so, you know, uh, I I think my inspirations were like Steve Soto from the Adolescents and Mike Roach from TSOL and and the guys that I was sort of that I could see every week and I was hanging out with and uh, there was a bass player named Jeff Long in Wasted Youth way back then and he was the only one of us that had any sort of training he he was an actual player's player Uh, and he. I remember he sat down and showed me and Steve Soto some stuff, just like backstage one day. And, and he showed us two or three things that that forever changed how I saw bass. It was just that simple. Just really? easy box box octave stuff and and minor things. And I'm like, I had no idea. Just things that I didn't know were possible. Uh, and from there, it's almost one of those things where you can say, I don't necessarily know who was influencing me, but I know who wasn't. Yeah. And so everybody always thinks like, oh, ant whistle. It's like, you can't play like that. <laughs> you have to be in the right band to play like that. Yeah, and totally. That's not, that's not my band. So, you know, I, I could, on one hand, I could play it kind of straight and just sort of be, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a Ramone, or I could get a little bit of influence from, maybe Bruce Foxton and Simonon because I thought those two guys sort of had this, I don't want to say it was a um, a reggae influence, but they they definitely were coming out with this English sort of base runs. Like the things that they yeah. played made sense to me and they, and they did kind of fit in with what we were doing.
0: That's cool. I'm, I Well, that, 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 that's like, that's a perfect answer. It shows exactly. And I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I get, I get that a lot too. When I tell people you know, often, you, you you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You do interviews, and it's the same question. What are your influences and stuff like that? And when I do, a lot of people are shocked because they don't see it necessarily come through in Avenge. And it's because, like you said, for Avenge, this is the way that I play. But when I was growing right. up, that I was I was transcribing your bass lines, man. I was playing punk rock stuff. You know, like that's right. that's where I came from.
1: Right. And I, and I think that that is sort of the thing is to find out uh, where you fit in. Recently... Uh, for a few years, I was playing with me first and they gave me gimmicks mm-hmm. because Mike was like, oh, I'm, I'm disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I was uh, going to
0: ask about that, too. Like. And,
1: and so but but one of the things that I found out was I cannot play like Mike Burkett. And, and I have I can listen to the records and I'm like, OK, and I'm playing along. And I'm like, he plays he plays all upstrokes. Yeah, he really does. He plays all upstrokes. And I'm like, I, that's just not my style. I don't play like that. He plays pretty high up on the neck. And I was like, ah, okay. And I so I just sort of played the way I play in bad religion and put it into the gimme's. And when I I we we were turning 40, had a book, had an album, all this stuff was happening with bad religion. Yeah. So I told the gimmies, I said, look, I gotta take a break because I gotta I'm gonna have to spend time with, with bad religion. And they got CJ Ramon. Wow. And so CJ comes up to me and says, I can't play like Mike. I'm freaking out. And I said,
0: yeah, I <laughs> neither <either."> can I. <laughs> so he
1: said, what do I do? And I said, stand there and downstroke like a Ramon.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, do that's, you, you, do you, that's what you are.
0: Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Like I did hear, um, and I don't know if this is true when you were, when, uh, you went into the gimmies, like they, they said, don't even bother really learning the songs. Just, uh, go make sure you get, you, you fuck with Joey while, while you're yeah. out there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's I, it's, it's weird because I've seen them play with, you know, I've seen them play uh, and I don't know if they intentionally don't know the songs, but it is kind of like, oh, it's just a cacophony. If they get one right, you can see they're all happy because like, we did it. And I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, you know, it was sort of that was sort of the directive was just go have fun and, and don't worry too much about playing right and i learned that the secret of the gimmies is that it is supposed to appear as this train wreck but it's actually really good underneath all of that yeah. because if it wasn't there's no way you would tolerate it because mm-hmm. it would just be awful <laughs> so so it's uh, it's it's definitely the best vaudeville show i've ever been part of
0: yeah i know it's 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 a it's a real fucking blast man i, I we did uh... We did a show with me first in the Gimme Gimmes. I think it was the first time I ever met Fat Mike, and it was in San Diego for a New Year's Eve party thing, like one of the radio stations used to do their New Year's Eve like punk rock yeah, party. Yeah. Yeah. And Gimmes were on there, and that was the first time meeting Fat, and you know. And then uh, moving moving on, and then we would cross paths a couple more times on Warp Tour, where we crossed paths a couple of times as well. Um, right. I just, let's just go straight into Warp Tour though. I mean, it's no longer, it, it, it's, it's kind of a real bummer. What did Warp Tour mean for your guys' career? Because I know for us, Kevin Lyman and putting that thing together really, I mean, put us on the map.
1: Well, I, we, the, I think that the, the first show of the Warp Tour was uh, this, was an event that he put on called Board in the South Bay. Okay. And that was sort of the first skateboarding, you know, extreme sports, punk rock thing at the Velodrome. This would have been 95, ninety five, ninety four, ninety five in that yeah. ballpark. Brian was in the band, so it was definitely ninety four, ninety five, um, and that that did so well that that Kevin said, you know, this can I'm going to take this out on the road. Yeah, basically just bringing Southern California to everybody. And uh, you know, one of the things that we noticed was we've been spending all sorts of time out on the road, like everybody else. And if we pulled into Lincoln, Nebraska, we'd get 800 to a thousand people. But if we pulled in with the warp tour, there'd be 8,000 people. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, uh, they're the booking agent for the warp tours is our booking agent. So we knew right away, like these shows are selling out and they haven't even announced a band.
0: That's amazing.
1: So we were tapping into a lifestyle that wasn't even really, uh, necessarily band related. People just wanted to be a, part of this experience yeah and this this period between 98 and 2002 2004 uh was just this exponential growth of our lifestyle and then as things happen uh you start seeing other bands start to start to come to the top uh that aren't because it was really always no effects rancid Bad Religion, Pennywise, uh, uh, um, Dropkick Murphys, mm-hmm. Than Jake. There's just a handful of bands that were always sort of guiding it the story. seemed sword. like you guys were
0: always rotating, too. Like, there was, like, one right. year you guys, you would, you would do it, the next year No Effects would do it, or, you know, like, something like that.
1: I, our thing was, I would, I would really only do it if No Effects was doing it. I think there was only one time we did it without them. Oh, okay. So Kevin would call me and said, Mike said he's going to do it. And I'd call Mike, did you say you were going to do it? And Mike would say, no, but I'll do it. Say, okay, <laughs> let's
0: do that. So That's funny. <laughs>
1: we, sort of just, we just, we enjoy touring together, but you know, you can, the side stages you could see on the side stages, you know, My Chemical Romance and Thursday and, and, and Taking Back Sunday, all these bands were starting to come to the top of the side stages and move to the main stage and Paramore and Yellow Card. So we were, I were not getting pushed out because that was never going to be the case, but making room for a new wave of, of music. You guys were part of that. Absolutely. I when, yeah. I remember when uh, you, guys were, you guys were closing the main stage, and Kevin came on our bus and said, come on, we're going to go, we're going to go support. Uh, we're going to go support because it's their last, this is their first time closing the main stage. Yeah. That was a I big deal.
0: It was huge. I remember that. I remember that when we, you know, as you know, you woke up, you wake up on in the morning on Warp Tour and you're told which stage and what time you're on, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> and right. that was that. So that morning, I mean, we, I think we kind of got wind that Kevin was going to move us up there. Uh, to close out that night um, a little bit before but it wasn't confirmed until that morning and we were like okay and and uh, Kevin asked us he's like I, I like what you guys do in the club shows can you bring any of that stuff to the stage and play at night and we're like sure so we busted out our fog machines and everything which was unheard uh, which of we, on Web yeah, tour which it, was unheard was of unheard of, of. It yeah was,
1: it was a big deal I remember thinking like this is a show show
0: yeah, we we,
1: we we whenever we played in the dark it was those two work lights on the side of the stage it was like that's all we got. You guys had the smoke show and I'm like that's cool.
0: <laughs> well, you that's know to be kick. honest, we weren't doing that. We wanted to fit in with in Summer. We wanted to stand out yet still fit in with the with the Warped Tour War crowd at right. the same time. But like and then that, that was like, Kevin was like the one who was like, hey, bring some of the shit that you guys have on your clubs tours and like right. anything I could do to help to make it like I want you guys be you and have the spectacle. And we're like, right. OK, let's go for it. And That's it where we're more comfortable. It, it yeah, it, totally it didn't always
1: work. I, I know there was a lot of bands that were like they wanted to close the main stage. They closed the main stage and just to people's backs as they're walking out. It's like it's tough. Yeah. Closing the main stage at a work tour because people have been out there all day.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it, learning, it that's where we learned everything. Crowd
1: that long.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's it's case in point. That's where we learned everything. We learned how to win over a crowd on, on the warp Tour in a lot right. of respects. Yeah, so right. certainly some of the clubs, too. But mostly it was like, oh, this is, they're here standing with their arms crossed. just They they've, may have heard the name, but they're just there to check it out. And now, right. now it's your job to win them over. And that's when we right. started to, like... Okay, this is this is this is how we're going to attempt to do that, and that was uh, for right. us. Like I said, Warp Tour, I, I owe everything to uh, Kevin Lyman and the Warp Tours and, and bands yeah. like you guys that helped, as you said, pave the way and kind of uh, make room and in in, a, in a respect there. So I appreciate that as well.
1: I have a big spot in my in my business heart because that's part of my management skills mm-hmm. uh, where if I'm getting into it with somebody, I'll just say, Hey, have you ever been on a warp tour? Have you ever worked on a warp tour? And if their answer is no, I am almost positive. We're not going to come to a conclusion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because no, because that, you know, that experience every, is something different.
1: When, when you have, you know, 40 to 60 bands that are on a warp tour and, and just thousands of people traveling on buses And you look and see that all of these people are helping each other make that show happen every single day. It really is that. It's just bus breaks down. Everybody get on our bus. Gear's stolen. Everybody borrow gear. Yeah. Every every tech is helping every other tech. Everybody just realizes the only way this crazy circus is going to make it down the road is if we all go together.
0: Yeah, a 1000%. That was eye-opening for me. I didn't know that. You know, being a kid who had been on the other side of it at a Warp Tour and watched, you know, just as a fan, by the time I went on my first Warp Tour it was 2003 I want to say, and that and that was it was eye-opening. I was, I was among you know, my heroes in, in the music industry, and they were just so fucking cool. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't expect them to be helping of, of any kind. I kind of expected to be like, hey, you got to figure out the ropes on your own, but it was, couldn't have been further from the truth. Everyone, as you said, gets together, helps each other out, and then at the end of the night, there's that camaraderie among the buses and, and uh, yeah. barbecues and everything like that. that like Those truly um, shaped uh, who I am as a, as a musician and artist.
1: Yeah, I think I think for for the time that it was sort of w- when it was all of that I think that that really paved the way for for where we are today. It changed a little bit toward the end and it did get a little bit like well now there there are you know I I think that the bands were getting obviously very popular, not just moderately popular but wildly successful and that that always changes mentality. Totally. And you know once once you get once you get people in there, and it's usually never bands. It's always management. <laughs> Once you get management involved, it's like, oh, now it's over. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah,
0: the, the, some of them can be deal killers. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good times are over. Remember all that good feeling you just had? Well, that's over.
0: <laughs> Speaking of some good feeling, though, um, I know you got, uh, you got three kids, right? Yeah. and your Two wife- men and a girl. <laughs> yep yep and they're they're and the and the boys are following in your footsteps of music i i, I understand
1: well my oldest was playing with dave hawes for a couple of years he, cool. he you know he he wanted to see he went and saw the world and and played bass and and uh it wasn't really his thing he's he's more of a, a metal guy and dave is is it definitely an americana guy and uh after a couple of years he he Toured the world playing bass, and and uh, he just said, "I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to my job." And wow. I said, "Well, that's a smart decision." But I <laughs> but I, I flat out asked him. I said, "Okay, so if you were if you were in Parkway Drive or you know some Norwegian metal band, and you were the guitar player, and and you know writing songs and just really part of it and making money, would that change your mind?" And he said, "No, I'm I'm I just don't like being out on the road." And I said, "That's a smart right decision."
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was not the decision I made, but uh, kudos to him for recognizing and and having the balls to kind of say like you know this just isn't for me like I, I right. Think well, he,
1: I mean he, he he didn't leave without he had an offer standing from Nike to go to go to work. So it was like that's a smart decision. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah.
0: That, yeah, that, that kind of changes things just a little. That's bit.
1: That's <laughs> fine. Uh, and and my youngest boy is up in Vancouver, and he's doing. Uh, he does. he's, I you know. I, I use the word rap, but that's a pretty big, broad stroke, mm-hmm. uh, maybe cloud rap and works with Mercules and golden, uh, a bunch of guys up in Vancouver and they've got Very their, cool. they've got a pretty solid crew. So he's doing well.
0: When did you and guys I move did- out to Vancouver? Cause I remember we talking to Brooks like oh, a while ago and we were on tour and we were going through and he was like, yeah, you know, Jay's actually got a place up here and I was like, Oh, what the fuck? So yeah, when- I'm,
1: I moved up there with my ex and, our, and the two boys uh, in '94. Yeah, '94. Mm-hmm. Like right when Stranger Than Fiction was coming out. Uh, she's Canadian, and and I'm out on the road all the time, and we've got two kids, and it's like you should be near your parents because I'm not going to be any help. I'm, you know, I'm traveling the yeah, world. Yeah, no,
0: totally. That's how it is. I mean, I mean, not right, right now. I've got a. Th- I, I I'm just starting that part of the journey. I've got a three and a half year old. So, but. In some kind of silver lining, I can't be on the road right now, so I'm with him all the time. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and and it is, you know, people say like, "How is it being at home?" Because you're not, you're not working. And I said, you know, in 30 years we've never not toured. In 30 years, I, we've never had time off. Yeah. Uh And so and so now I'm I'm with I'm with our daughter, and I, I really I like it a lot. And she and obviously because now you know we're homes on homeschooling, we're virtual schooling, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot of responsibilities. My wife is a painter, so her job is actually uh, she's doing more because she's doing Zoom meetings and Zoom classes, and she's doing a lot more work. Where we're just like, well, we're sitting at home on Zoom meeting. Like, yeah. Hey, what are we doing? I don't know.
0: And trying to figure out a new. <laughs> I mean, you do things like this, where you try and do something new, right? <laughs>
1: right, right. So, so I guess that's the you know the that is the silver lining of this is getting to spend more time with with our children. Um, I've always said that, that when we're out on the road, people say, how do you juggle that? I go, I don't, that's up to, that's up to my wife. Cause she's the one tolerating it yeah of course
0: and you know kudos to them for tolerating us for so long <laughs> i do want i do wanna, i would be remiss if i didn't mention though that your wife natalia she's the one that uh did some of the koki the clown covers right for she did the, both
1: the paintings on the covers yeah
0: yeah those are rad so she's yeah and she's been painting for a long time then obviously right
1: Forever. yeah forever, forever.
0: kudos to her too man that's 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 rad i, I, I yeah. love that stuff <laughs> how did you guys meet by the way
1: uh on the warped tour uh um, where was that? That was in, uh, Fontana. Okay. I, I think one of the, one of the California dates. Yeah. Her friend, her friend was, uh, her friend was, uh, was with our tour manager at the time, Timmy, the turtle.
0: Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I believe I've met Timmy a couple of times. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everybody knows Timmy McDuffie. Mm-hmm. I and uh, sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to call you that, but Timmy, you know, whatever. So... <laughs>
0: That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that, that's how that works <laughs> yeah i guess so man <laughs> yeah that's incredible um going back to like playing live shows and stuff like that um you guys were in the middle of the cycle for age of unreason right was that when yeah. this all happened like how many canceled shows postponed shows do you see making those up or are you just gonna new write a new record and and at some point go down <laughs> that route or what what do you guys well what's the look, camp we, feeling like right now i guess we, is the question we we postponed
1: uh our show dates like everybody else back in uh march april you know we postponed and once it became obvious that this wasn't going to be better by the fall like would have been now Mm -hmm. this wasn't going to be going away anytime soon we canceled because that means you can get your money back once you postpone it's like your tickets are still good yeah and so we just flat out canceled and said go get your money back because this is going to matter in six months you're going to want that 40 bucks Totally, which is true, um, and now I I am I'm of the position where I'm not really comfortable announcing any shows with a guarantee. We're, a lot of our European shows have come back, like we're going to come back in April, and I'm like I'm not comfortable even saying that we're coming back in April because I don't, don't want to cancel again. Yeah, we've only canceled once. And I don't see, you know, there's, there's no magic hammer coming out of the sky to make this better.
0: Totally. And, and we just, so, and, and, you know, concerts are really the kind of the last thing that'll go back to normal. I mean, in all honesty, cause it's, you know, as much as it's great for us and a lot of people and it's, it, it's not necessarily dire that concerts go. Oh, no, and, on and they way. should be the
1: last thing because it's like we're yeah. we're the we're we're doing the exact opposite thing of what everybody. Let's jug, Let's stuff a bunch of people into a room.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then have them do a bunch of mosh pits and fucking. That's everything. That's
1: great. <laughs> so you know uh, they. We, we, early on, we heard about like, oh, people are doing drive-in concerts and mm-hmm. you stay in your car. And I go, if I go to a Bad legend concert in my car, I'm crashing my car into another car. <laughs> yeah. I'm opening up the pit with my car.
0: Well, that well, that well yeah, that's what you do. You just go and uh, do a demolition derby in the parking right. lot. <laughs>
1: right. So, you know, I I, I I guess like everybody else, you talk about what can we do virtually. Uh, Baker and Graffin live on the East Coast, so it's still a matter of, of getting them there or us over there uh to get together to do that but i you know i'm assuming that that's something that we can do uh we we really were looking forward to to the tour with the alkaline trio because that Mm -hmm. was something that we just were excited about uh all the european festivals but i mean it's almost as if it's just not really worth talking about because there isn't any answer.
0: True. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean that, that's that you nailed it right there. Everyone asked the same question, you know, like when's, you know, and, and I just, I don't mean like in interviews, I mean, just like normal, like when people are like, just so normal. I'm walking around neighbor? the street, my neighbors are like, Hey, when yeah. do you think you're going to get back on the road? I'm like, no fucking clue, man. Like no, no one knows. Like that—that's no the reality. You could talk to anyone in the industry too, and they're like, "Yeah, yep. we think we can do this. We think we can do that." And it's like, but can you? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I just, I just, my answer is not in the foreseeable future.
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, and they don't understand foresee- that.
1: They're like, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I just, I answer with, "I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do."
0: Yeah. But,
1: it, but it's not going on the road. I know I'm not doing
0: that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shit, right? <laughs> I noticed your, I noticed your uh, is, that, is that a test? Is, what what is, is that? It a is. Kiss shirt? Yeah, test. Nice. But yeah. it's written in, with the Kiss stuff that reminded me of something that I read about you that uh, was was your first record a, a Kiss record that you purchased with yeah, your own money? Yeah, Kiss Alive.
1: Kiss Alive was the first record I bought with my own money.
0: That's not right. Not the first
1: seven inch. The first seven inch was David Bowie, Rebel Rebel, way back when. But my first album that I saved up my money and bought was Kiss Alive.
0: That's rad, and yeah. I so and I heard why do you gravitate towards Paul over Gene? I, I read no, somewhere I, that it was the other Ace, they were wrong, huh? Ace Freely, Ace Freely was okay. Yeah. It was it was Ace. No, over. I, never,
1: I never, I actually never cared about Paul Stanley at all. Okay, so so my 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 go to Kiss totem pole would have been. Ace Frehley, Gene Simmons, Peter Criss, Paul Stanley, okay. <laughs> and, and Paul Stanley probably would have been below the sound man. I
0: just, <laughs> you didn't get into I, that. That wasn't I that really wasn't the reason that you liked Kiss.
1: I, I just didn't like Paul Stanley, but but I mean, I you know, I was thirteen, fourteen years old. I didn't care about stuff. No,
0: I, no, no. But I mean, uh, have you been able to go out to the to Kiss concerts over the years? Is it like as a fan, like, have you ever no. been to one or no? We,
1: we played we played festivals with them, but I'm I, you know. I, I I admire anybody who can make a dime in this fucking business, and those guys have done very very well for them. More more than and just I,
0: a dime, more than just a dime. And I, and I certainly appreciate it, but it's
1: not. I I'm not a super nostalgia guy. Okay. And so you know, I I am. I'm like okay, no, I I did that. I saw that back when, and and that's okay because it's it's just hard to. It's hard for me. So I just because I'm, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I love your brutal
0: honesty there. I love it. <laughs> so, are you, so are you one of these, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. I can be sometimes too, that doesn't necessarily like to go to concerts, uh, uh, after you've been on that side of it sometimes, you know, like you've been on the stage a lot and you go to a concert and you're watching it. And then aside from some of your all time favorites, it can get, you know, okay, cool. I saw half the show. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go hang out now. Um, it yeah you have you have those moments too i imagine
1: yeah i mean usually if it's if it's like you know friends are coming to town at the observatory and it's like all right i'll drop in and say hi but usually what i do is i'll just go to sound check yeah and then i'll hang out with them and and just kind of you know shoot the breeze for a while and then take off i don't i don't have to see the show because i i know the show totally but if i go and see someone you know if I don't know I, I'm trying to think of who would get me out of my house <laughs> <laughs>
0: well nobody not, at the moment
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, nobody. Um, but you know it, yeah I, I could I could see myself going and seeing something someone saying like oh I got tickets to Elton John it's like all right I'll go I'll go and enjoy that I don't I don't have to get all wrapped up in like that Symbol's too loud yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know like, I mean?
0: man it's that symbol's ruining it for me
1: <laughs> yeah totally because i can get it like that i can get super nitpicky up like when i'm watching a band play i'm like i can see the roadies feet yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
1: i, I mean, love like, that oh. that's
0: such perfectionism right there too i love that <laughs> I've, i'm in the same way i mean i I like, uh, I like catching concerts from the from the soundboard if I'm going to go somewhere now. Right. Because um, you know that's where it's supposed to be uh, heard from. Like, that's where it's supposed to be heard from. That's well, where that's it's going to be the most optimal. From. Exactly.
1: I, I, if you want to know why it sounds bad where you're sitting, it's like, well, because that's not where he's mixing it from. Exactly. Go where he's, standing, go and where he's like, at. Oh, and so then, you know. Hair.
0: Well, I mean, it's always fun to, like, stand on side stage, which I've done with you guys numerous times. We've done festivals in, in the UK together. We've done Warp Tours together. I've stood on side stage as, you know, as a fan, like, just going, oh, this is fucking awesome. But then, you know, now that I'm older, I, I know, like, okay, that's fun. But I, if I want the experience, I'm going to go out to the soundboard.
1: All right. Well, not only that, now with in-ears, you, you stand side stage and all you can hear is drums. Yeah, that's it. You're like, no, but I can't hear any guitars. I don't hear any vocals. It's like, oh, they're don't all on anything. in here. So okay, there's no. Way. I just on stage. You're like, this sounds weird.
0: Yeah. Well, the last time that I saw you guys, I, I went, I, I went on side stage was here in Huntington Beach. Uh, the it was like the Punk and Drublick. Um,
1: oh yeah, the the, the
0: Sea the Legs festival. place. The Sea Legs festival. Yeah, the Sea Legs place. Yeah, and I remember I got there just in time to catch you guys. Um, and I was like standing outside stage. That was a cool moment though, even though yes, all in ears couldn't hear anything really, but I knew yeah. this, I know the songs well enough too. anyway, I, c- I know where I-, I could still hear it, you know, but, uh, it was just really cool to watch one of my favorite bands on the beach that I like grew up. I never thought we'd ever have concerts in Huntington beach. Like that was when I was not growing like up. As a f- not, not like that. Not, no, yeah, not no. like that at all. That not was like so that. cool. To- I mean, Obviously being in Southern California, you've had to, aside from that, I would imagine you've been to Huntington beach or is that like your only experience or.
1: Uh, well, I, you know, I, I, when I was playing in TSOL, I was, I was living at Jack's house and we spent a lot of time in Huntington beach. What was the club night moves, night moves in Huntington beach. Uh, I mean, but, yeah. but, but the idea of playing on the sand, was just absurd. Like you're never going to play unless you like broke the law and brought a generator and just totally. <laughs> played, played in front of the toilet. Um, yeah, you know, all of this sort of changed because I, I think when it was when it was underground, you thought of ways to play uh, and places to play that you wouldn't get caught and told to stop playing. Totally. And now it's totally legitimate, and you get to play these, you know, actual venues and large festivals where it's like okay and the, and and my, the pe- the same people that were basically taking away all of your gear are now singing along in the front row <laughs> you're like i see you down there singing <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's rad so i mean obviously you just kind of touched upon it i mean it's been 40 years how have you how have you seen uh punk rock music evolve like what what's some, what's some of the things that you've seen that like, that stand out to you um, of what was different or what you could have never imagined seeing in 78 when you guys uh, formed BR?
1: I, you know, I think that it was, it was, there's a, there's a lot of talk about DIY now. And it, and it has been for a long time because DIY is cool. Yeah. DIY, do it yourself. And when people would say like, oh man, that's cool. But that you guys went DIY or did DIY. And you think like, but there wasn't a choice. Yeah. It, there weren't, there weren't, There weren't the opportunities that you have now. You know, there weren't labels. There were labels, but they were small. SST, Alternative Tentacles, uh, Frontier. Well, even going back to like
0: K-Rock, you guys started to mention that in the book too. And that's one of the ways I I always heard bad religion too. In the 90s, at that time, K-Rock was this big thing. But even in the book, you guys were saying how you were listening to K-Rock here in in Southern California. And you couldn't even get the signal half the time because it was such a small station at the time.
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't know about. It. Greg said that I'm like, wait, really? Because like K Rock was, I, I thought it was it was a big enough station. It was no KMET, <laughs> but hey, you know they can't all be winners. But you know, here's something that 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 talking about that we 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 gave Rodney Bingenheimer a cassette tape, and he played that on the air. Rad. The the absolute you know insanity of having that happen today. <laughs> of just walking into a radio station and going, here's here's a cassette tape that you have to like actually fast forward and rewind. What was that like
0: air? What was that? Maybe? Airheads. Airheads where they're like they're a metal band, but they go in with their with their tape because they have to, and they hold everyone hostage to to play right. the tape.
1: <laughs> that would never happen. No. So you know, it, it's just that that time has kind of that that maybe that that innocence, that naivete of of punk rockers not knowing that you can't do stuff. Yeah, no one told us no. Well, actually, a lot of people told us no, but not in the right way.
0: Yeah, not 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 one that was actually getting through.
1: <laughs> you <Yeah, no> dis- <laughs> <No> discipline. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. You, so at the beginning, we 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 talked about bass. Uh, I've seen you play now. You play? Are you playing a Specter still? Is that? Or no, you, you I was, it's a Schechter. It, You're it's playing it's Schechter. A, okay? A, That's what I play too. I have a
1: Schechter that I. Um, I bought in San Francisco on the Pearl Jam tour. And honestly, it's a, it's this, uh, double bound Tele headstock P bass crazy thing that, that I've never seen another Yeah, and they probably made one <laughs> and I have it from 1981. Uh, but I stopped playing that because it, 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 one year at the at the K Rock Weenie Roast, and I'll never forget this. I was playing it, and somebody that I don't know said, "Hey man, I was adjusting your truss rod, and it cracked." What? And and I'm like, "Who are you? And why are you why are you
0: touching my, my fucking base?
1: My stuff." <laughs> and it, it's just never really been the same. And so I was like, "Well, all right." I I I kind of fixed it and just put it back, uh, put it back on the wall. And I've been back to playing uh, 77, 78 P bass. That's I have. That that's sort of what I've been running. Um, in all honesty, I have a I have a 1978 P bass that has been the standard bearer for every bass I buy. Yeah. So that even that Schechter wasn't as good as the as this P bass. The problem with the P bass was it weighed 14 pounds. I was like, ah. Oh,
0: yeah no that's that's that is the problem with those i mean even I play a Schechter. I have a signature with with, with Schechter, and mine weighs weighs a lot for a modern bass it's a it 's a right. ten almost eleven pound bass but that 's what I right. wanted to get the right sound. I was like,
1: you think they'd know better by now
0: yeah well the, well they, they told me afterwards though like, you sure you wanted you want to have it that heavy and I was like, but it sounds so good he's like, well, maybe we could put holes in the back of it for you or something because you're not going to oh. If heavy bass heavy for an sound. hour. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no heavy bass, heavy sound. That's not true. only was the bass; itself still fourteen pounds. Then you start putting all the brass, badass bridge and a bass brass nut. And yep. just, you're just doing everything to make it heavier because you're dumb. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to sound good, and I'm not thinking about being on stage for an hour plus with it around my neck. You know. <laughs>
1: the funny thing, I you know, I I, I complained about all of all of the weight of all of the bases that I had. I complained about it enough that Baker finally like he bought me that Epiphone Jack Cassidy as a goof, like to get me to shut up. He's like, here, just play this. And so because I was I was kinda like, I'll show you. So I played it for like four years. <laughs> <laughs> he was so amazed. I'll stop playing that thing. I go, Nope, you bought it for me. I'm playing it every night. <laughs> That's right. <rad. laughs> I kinda like it actually. How does I just it, play, does it tree, play well too? I did kinda like it.
0: Does it play well too?
1: It does. Yeah. Have you ever played one?
0: No, I haven't. I I, I had a I had an Epiphone. My first bass was actually an Epiphone, but it was uh it was a P uh, Epiphone yeah. that I got at like a, a a pawn shop. You know, when I was twelve years old. But
1: Jack Cassidy is. It's it's a good bass, and I mean they're made well. And and if you can get one of the one of the original runs, um, they're they're good. The the pickup is kind of not. For us, yeah, it's kind of like this natural good sound, which would be awesome if you were playing with James Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's you know it's I I swapped out the pickup and put a P bass pickup in it, and it just rips. I'm like, this is cool. Yeah, this is great.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. And then you're you're having more fun with it too, anyway, because <laughs> yeah. it's not as heavy. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, but then it, you know eventually you just start you kind of go back to what got you here and you start playing a P bass and go, Oh, I totally forgot how much I love this.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I've been, I've been, yeah. uh, messing with some P bases recently. I, I, have you ever played a Nash P bass? The, the, the Nash stuff? I have,
1: I don't, I don't own one, but I have played them. Yeah. And I, those guys are good friends of mine too. So
0: yeah, I love those bases. I mean, obviously playing a good old Fender P is, you know, that's, that's 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 i mean i think that's like
1: i talked with i talked with my michael at at fender and i I have a lot of friends there and it's always the same thing it's like you know i this there's something about the neck on a 77 78 where they were just making these things that were like baseball bats yeah and i got i'm 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 six four and i got pretty big hands and like people say why don't you play a jazz bass i go the nut is is one and a quarter inch i can't even get I can't get two fingers onto it because I'm just a I'm almost Fletcher size, not quite.
0: <laughs> I'm but I'm quite uh, the opposite of that. Like <laughs> I, just, I went I, with the smaller I, one. I I like playing the Fenders for the sound, but yeah, like the '70s Fenders for the sound are great. But it is it's a little more difficult for me to play. I'm a shorter guy with a, with smaller hands, so it's like. But yeah, you know, I, it, I need
1: that. I just I just fell in love with that that neck profile, so. Uh, I used to tell people that I would walk into a guitar store and go to the used section and I would just pick them up off the wall and judge a bass by its weight. First, I wouldn't even bother playing it until I go like, that's the one. It weighs a lot. And then I'd just (laughs) get on the neck and go like, yeah, big baseball neck. It's for me. Perfect. And then I'd buy it and tear it apart and then regret it and throw things away. And I'm like, I wonder what happened to all that stuff. Oh, it's gone forever. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible.
0: Dude, rad. Oh, so before I let you go, I, I have a few more things I want to talk about real quick. Uh, mainly, uh, ended on some of our mutual friends. You just mentioned one of them, in Fletcher. Uh, known Fletcher for a long time now, and he was on the show. He came by. <laughs> he, he, he was an absolute blast. We played. We played beer pong together, I think, and uh, on the show um, for like weird. Uh, challenges like I had to pour a beer on my head and stuff. It, sure. it was all wild. You got any great uh, Fletcher stories of yours that you uh, that that you that you love to tell the tale of Fletcher?
1: Uh, well, yeah, you know when 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 <laughs> they brought a tape in at the early Epitaph when we were still working at the Vista Del Mar. It was a house we in Hollywood. We were we were Epitaph and West Beach recorders were in this house, and Fletcher showed up. I can't remember who he was with, but it doesn't matter because it was Fletcher. Yeah, And we didn't know this person at all. This giant man walks through the door and has a cassette tape of Pennywise, and it's terrible. <laughs> he says, I want you to listen to my band. And he's playing, he, he's playing this cassette, and we're just... <sighs> and oh. we're like, this isn't very good. But he's so big, and we're like, Brett and I were sitting, we're like... This guy's probably gonna kill us.
0: <laughs> he might eat us alive right and, here.
1: <laughs> and Fletcher, Fletcher, he took a stapler and opened it up and put about fifteen staples into his arm while we're listening to this tape, and then shoved a chain up his nose and pulled it out his mouth and was doing this with this with his chain. <laughs> and Brett and I are watching all this happen, and Brett goes, "I think I should sign these guys." <laughs> 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 and I was like, "That's yeah. great." Yeah, I think you should sign
0: this. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. Or or, or, <laughs> if you're not going to, make sure you're far away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to was, say that no.
1: Was, <laughs> that was really great. That's, that That was the first time I'd ever seen Matt, heard of Fletcher. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Man, you guys must have had some wild <laughs> stories, too. I know that you've famously, you've been uh, sober 15 years now. You should be coming yep. up on that. Yep. So, I mean, I obviously, you know, you, you've moved on from that chapter of your of your life and and you, you know it's a little bit yeah. more mellow i imagine
1: yeah everything's a little more understandable
0: <laughs> yeah i bet a little clear-headed a little more clear-headed i'll i'll get there soon <laughs> i still got a couple of years left in me
1: i, I still i i don't ever. it's funny i tell people all the time i go it took me a minute to just kind of like get my bearings but you know it's just I just kind of needed to step away because I don't have an off switch mm-hmm. and all of my friends who, who enjoy themselves, which is totally awesome. I could enjoy myself to a point where I stopped enjoying myself and then it was just a quest. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what that quest was, but I think it was to drink all the liquor <laughs> in the world.
0: Yeah. I could, yeah, yeah. You're just like, well, I, I got to try all of it. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's out there. I know it's out there. I'm getting in my car to go find more. What? Yeah. I don't even know what it is. It's there's a party I'm going there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting though. So it has been 15 years and Brooks was with you guys for what 16, 17 years? What was it? Something like that. Yeah,
1: 2001 to
0: 2016. So he so, was so he wasn't around for for very long of when you were drinking and stuff and that probably helped a lot because I know Brooks. He doesn't drink. Like he, he'll have the occasional drink here and there. Yeah, but it's it, it's you know he's been on the show as well, and I knew what to make him because I make it for him a, backstage. Him and a th- no, he 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 moved on to we call him the we just call him the Wackermans because it's Malibu rum with uh with uh, pineapple juice and a little pineapple wedge on it.
1: Okay. <laughs> I've seen That. This, yeah. is, this is very this is very similar to Byron's summer Breeze. It was exactly.
0: I just talked to uh, Josh Fries about that uh, last week. We were <laughs> we were talking about that. I had to ask I had to ask Josh about the summer brew that that, uh, that or summer breeze <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> so rad, Byron. Byron, I've I've hung out with Byron a couple of times when we were out in Spain um, in a little shitty bar that had that we were there because uh, Fletcher found his favorite uh, Moscow mule. There, So we were all hanging out yeah. there. Great, yeah. great people. Another great person, the last person I need to, I need to bring up is uh, Joe Escalante, good friend. Um, credits you uh, for listening to, uh, I, can't, I, I can't remember which uh, EP or LP it was that you, that you guys were listening to, apparently you were on a road trip together, Joe Escalante was saying, and, and it's when he realized that he was going to do the lyrics for Anarchy Burger or something along those lines. And it was you guys. He was, you were showing him the record for the first time. Is this, any of this ringing a bell?
1: Yeah, we made a we made a couple trips out to uh, Arizona. That's where it was. I, that was sort of the big. It was always a big run to like take a bunch of people out to Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> and I, had to talk, I was like, I'll, I'll drive everybody's gear.
0: Yeah, that yeah. and you guys you guys did some tours together with them too. Then uh, you know. How did your friendship with Joe, uh, a fellow bassist in in the managerial area of, you know, of music as well? Like what what's what were some of your first impressions of Joe?
1: Well, when I when I first met Joe, he was a drummer.
0: Oh, that's right. He was a drummer first. He
1: wasn't a bass player. He was the he was the drummer of the Vandals. That's right. And they they've gone through some serious lineup changes. Yeah, they have. And uh what Honestly, like, like I obviously being in LA, you see a bunch of of you see a bunch of people all the time. It wasn't until we were out in Phoenix and I and I saw the Frog Stomp. I don't know if you know what that song is. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm and not. Stevo was the singer at the time, and, and yeah, uh, I I guess that you can buy laboratory frogs in a bag. <laughs> So there's a song called Frog Stomp, and a laboratory bag full of frogs went out into the pit. And I'm like, this is the grossest, funniest thing right. I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: that's amazing.
1: <laughs> and, and I remember, and, but I, I would, the show was so good, and they were so vandals. Just, yeah. you know, whatever. If you've never just seen fun. them, they're just, they're just, a, uh, they're like Blink with a knife.
0: Totally. Yeah, I totally. That's a great analogy right there. That's a perfect analogy. (laughs) There's so much fun. There's so much. The the banter in between songs. is just so much fun, man. It's 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 rad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I just I just I just fell in love with them and thought that like this is you know this is a kind of fun band that's like they're not taking anything too seriously other than having fun. They take that very seriously.
0: Yeah. Uh, And they do a really good job. Warren came in and played on a cover song that we did at the end of our last record. You know, it's just it's very it's very funny to me and very awesome that I get to have conversations with people like you, the guys in the Vandals, Pennywise, you know, no effects. This is all the music I grew up with. So I just want to thank you one more time for being here on the show. Uh, It was an absolute blast. Everyone go follow Jay on Instagram at Jay Bentley's. Why is there a a pluralized on, on your Instagram?
1: Because there was another guy named Jay Bentley and all he ever put up was like how many miles he walked. (laughs) It was like every day it was like eight miles, 12 miles. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy with my name? So I just,
0: yeah, did the S. But you were able to, Jay
1: Bentley with a number, which I don't, I don't ever want a number. So it was just like Jay Bentley's Instagram.
0: There you go. And then you have you got it for Twitter though. There's no there's no uh, S on that one, so Yeah, but I
1: I left I left Twitter in December. I just Okay you haven't been on there in a while. I've had enough. Yeah. I think listen, I honestly think all social media is the devil. Yeah, you know, but I, I, I listen. That's coming I'm, from I'm, the
0: basis of bad religion. It's the right. devil.
1: And I'll be the first. I don't mind getting in bed with the devil every now and then. But I, I had to. I had to say goodbye to that one because it was just like, man, this is sucking up all my time and making me mad a lot.
0: Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, I could see how that how that would be. But okay, so then it's just Jay Bentley on Instagram. Bad religion everywhere. You could Google all this stuff, guys. You'll find more Jay Bentley and go get the book. Do what you do. What you want. Uh, the story of bad religion just came out. Uh, fantastic book so far that I know of. I couldn't imagine it's not getting any better. Uh, 40 years of bad religion. Congratulations again, Jay. And thanks for being on the show. I hope to see you in person sometime soon so we can uh, do this without the cameras.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For real.
0: Cool, man. All right. Cheers. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks With Johnny. Thanks again to Jay Bentley, and thanks to all of you for listening and supporting this show. Without you guys, I don't have a show to put together. So seriously, thank you guys so, so very much. Having a lot of fun with this. Hope you guys are too. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing you guys new guests each and every week. That's each and every Monday morning. Um, And to find out who's on the next episode of Drinks With Johnny, go to drinkswithjohnny.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And every week I send out a, a newsletter, a Thirsty Thursday newsletter that's going to keep you informed on everything Drinks With Johnny. So make sure you do that. Um, and, yeah, again, I'll remind you all. I'll say it every fucking time. Go, go subscribe here on YouTube. Follow us on all social medias. It's really easy to find. You just put in the words Drinks With Johnny. Um, as I said, I'm going to leave you guys with a Bad Religion song here. Um, I actually misspoke. I was saying the the song uh, earlier in this podcast was uh, Blenderhead, and uh, I was talking about the bass line. It is on Against the Grain, but it is Turn on the Light. Um, great fucking song. Great fucking song. Um, and there's a really nice little piece of Jay Bentley's uh, work right there uh, after the second chorus. So enjoy, and until next time, cheers.
1: Yet. He used to touch it when the way was all and high I guess it
0: made him feel like he clipped up the system And when it's figured out we laid him down a guy i turn on the light Turn on a million blinding brilliant white and sent the airy lights Yeah, I'll be in the night I'll burn relentlessly until my
2: juice try dry I've yeah. constructed a rack of tempered the and trusses And equipped with just a million tiny signs I'll install them on the roof of my compartment And place it for
0: Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.
2: This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz,